Welcome back to So Late Pause, the podcast where we pair a good and bad movie and get drunk while we do it. This is Ashley, and I'm with my favorite drinking buddy, Sean. Hello. Hey. How's it going? Good. We finally got to jump back into the MCU. Yeah, and it feels like the MCU is just giving us everything right now. Yeah, and like the official MCU, because we got all those TV shows and everything, but now it's like the actual beginning of the next Right. It was like we got to dip our toe in with Black Widow, and then we got... We just went and saw Shang-Chi. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm butchering that name. Um, and then we have Eternals coming out in November. Yeah. And then we have uh, Spider-Man No Way Home coming out. Is it December or January? I think it's December. I can't remember. I think it is December. That's going to be a big, a big one because it's going to introduce a whole bunch of multiverse stuff. Yeah. It was, mm, it was exciting. Yeah. What did you think of um, Shang-Chi? I thought it was really good. I thought that um, it's a good character to introduce. Yeah, I would say they set it up in a way that I wasn't expecting at all. I don't know. Is that a spoiler to talk? We won't say too much about it, but I mean, it's the first like martial arts-ish one for sure. I think that the most martial arts type Marvel character before this would have been Daredevil, and that was just a Netflix show. Right. What I found interesting about it is that like, when you're following the title character, um, Shang-Chi, it's like in his like current life, he kind of just seems like a slacker and like whatever. And so I thought it was setting up for an origin story of like, he doesn't know that he has certain powers or like there's powers in his family that he can harness. Mm-hmm. And like something's going to happen where he's forced to reckon that. No, it's like they do it very well. And then it's like, you think that he's just kind of like, doesn't really know what's going on. And then he gets attacked and you find out he knows exactly what's going on. Yeah. And that's toward the beginning of the movie. Yeah. It's like the very beginning. And so I really enjoyed that. We got to see that type of origin story where it wasn't the same, like formula repeated. Yeah. And you don't see him like get powers or something like that. Exactly. Even I'd say the trailers speak a little bit to that. Cause you see the scenes where his dad is in it and talking to him and he's like i i told them that nobody could kill my son those mm-hmm. types of like yeah. lines that i think that that was in the trailer yeah so it gets at some of that there's enough to make it more than just martial arts mm-hmm. which like the martial arts is really cool and it makes really cool fight scenes and this has probably yeah. some of the best fight choreography yeah, of, of absolutely. the marvel movies agreed but i would say that like if you were only Using martial arts, now that they're making this so massive in scale mm-hmm. on like what it is going to take to rectify whatever is being set up in the MCU, mm-hmm. you would have to have something mm-hmm. magic about it. Mm-hmm. And so I think they do a good job that it makes him seem like more than just good at fighting. Mm-hmm. Like there's more to him than just that. Because if it was just hand, like hand-to-hand combat, then he becomes like a Hawkeye character. Right. Like that type of person or a, a Black mm-hmm. Widow who like... They're important, and those at least at least Black Widow's important. <laughs> I don't know if Hawkeye's important. Hawkeye's technically still in it, so he never died. But I think that like if it's that type of character, people care less about them, and they play less of a role in defeating the big villains, right? Because they can't. Like Hawkeye can't defeat Thanos, right? Or even fight Thanos. Like he just kind of stands back, you know. So right. like, I'm glad that they worked this out to be like. Uh, an important character who can stand their own in some ways against villains. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I took a BuzzFeed quiz recently. Uh, it is like, see, like, what MCU character you're most like, like, as, like, a woman. Mm-hmm. 
And I did it and I got Aquafina's character, which I've never felt more attacked because I don't feel like that is me whatsoever. <laughs> I don't disagree with that. Okay. I think that is exactly she is such a like sarcastic character. But she ends up also getting powers. Not powers, but like yeah. sk- a skills. Skill. She's you know, Hawkeye. Like, she is Hawkeye. <laughs> Damn it. Is she going to be in the Hawkeye? I wonder if that's how they are tying this in, if she's going to be in the Hawkeye series. I don't know. Because there's that like one with his daughter. I can't believe we're going to watch that too. I mean, we'll watch it. It's not going to be good. It's going to be worse than anything. Yeah. Unless they really, maybe, who knows? Maybe we're going to talk about how Hawkeye, I don't even know what it's called. It's not called Hawkeye. Hawkeye's daughter. I don't know. <laughs> it's something like that. Hawkeye's. <laughs> Raising Hawkeye girl. <laughs> it's going to be something like that. But maybe a year from now, we'll be like, wow, that should win an Emmy. I mean, I you never would have expected me to love WandaVision. And I think it's one of the best shows of this year. So, Yeah, but it's Jeremy Renner. It's Jeremy Renner. And also, it's also Haley Steinfeld, who I cannot stand to save my life. Mm, well... I honestly haven't seen much about Jeremy Renner like being in the MCU for more of this. So like he's still alive. He's out there. It sounds like they're setting up his him. children yeah. or at least his daughter. Because uh-huh. I'm assuming she's going to be a young Avenger or something like that. So, yeah, who knows? Uh, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. But in terms of this movie, worth watching for sure. And it's the first of the new arc. But this mm-hmm. is phase four. Is that correct? I think so, yeah. Because we had one through three and then now mm-hmm. four. Uh, Black Widow was more like the very last mm-hmm. bookend of phase three. Or or it's one that was like kind of in the middle and then we had to figure out how to... <laughs> yeah, but it fit within the yeah. Thanos arc, yeah. Yeah, not sure. within whatever... We're whatever going to our new bad is. Yeah, whatever, I mean, who knows? It could yeah. be... It might even be one thing like Thanos. It might mm-hmm. just be the notion of... Mm-hmm. The multiverse falling apart. Right. We shall see. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. So I have this week's picks. Yeah. I'm very excited about them. Again, we can say that maybe my uh, my connection of them is kind of loose. As always. Um, But, you know, we're just going to do this off of like celebrity-ishness. Celebrity-ishness. Yeah. So my good movie this week is I, Tonya. The biopic about, is it biopic or biopic? Biopic. Biopic. It's just a, because it's biography, right? Like biography picture. I know, but I want to say like biopic all the time. Mm, I don't think that's. Okay. It's a biopic about Tanya Harding that came out, what, 2019, 2018? Sure, I have it somewhere. Came out 2017. 2017, that's okay. right, yeah. Um. So just quick synopsis of it in case you are lived under a rock and don't know anything about Tanya Harding. But in 1991, talented figure skater Tanya Harding becomes the first American woman to complete a triple axel during a competition. In 1994, her world becomes uh, her world comes crashing down when her ex-husband conspires to injure Nancy Kerrigan, a fellow Olympic hopeful, and a pearly, poorly, pearly, pearly, poorly. Which of those nine <laughs> words was it? In a poorly conceived attack that forces a young woman to withdraw from the national championship. Harding's life and legacy instantly become tarnished as she's forever associated with the most infamous scandal in sports history. I think it's going to be good because I liked it the first time I saw it. Yeah, we haven't se- or you haven't seen it since it was in theaters. I definitely saw it. I watched it last year just out of boredom in a pandemic. Right. 
No, I definitely haven't seen it since then. Yeah. But it's funny. It's not lighthearted by any means, but it's like, I don't know what term you use for that. Yeah. When when something is like funny, but in like a, it's like a dark comedy. I just don't know what the what yeah. word, what do you call the, this type of movie? <laughs> yeah, please tell us. Because I don't know. It's not a comedy. It's not a biopic. No. <laughs> Technically, a lot of Margot Robbie movies fall in whatever mm-hmm. I'm trying to describe. Right. Because in some way, like, Wolf of Wall Street would even kind of fall in, in what yeah. I'm describing. Because it's not a straight up, it is a comedy. But mm-hmm. it's not a straight, it's like, it's more than. It's a dramedy. Yeah. I guess that's what you would call this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A dramedy. That's it. Sure. I've done it. Yeah. Solve world hunger. Okay. Okay. Um, I have excellent news for you. Uh-huh. Drink when has drinking rules. That's good. They haven't had many recently. I know. So their drinking rules are drink when anyone says Tanya. Easy. Anyone mentions the Olympics. Also easy. Anyone drinks. Easiest. Anyone smokes. Easier. And a classic song kicks in. Um, their extreme version is add anytime Tanya says fuck for an additional 40 plus drinks. I don't think we need to do that. We both know this movie, so no shot in the dark for this one. But I'm excited to go watch it. Yeah, uh, it's been too recent for us, to, I guess, to have a shot in the dark. Yeah. We'll see. I think it's going to be good. Yeah. Those sound like good drinking rules. Yeah, I'm excited. Okay, you ready? Yeah. Let's go. All right. And we're back from watching Itania. It was fantastic. It was <laughs> it was better than I remember even. It was so good. It's some of my favorite directing and acting in like probably the past like five or ten years. Yeah, we were looking into who directed it, and it was the same person who directed the new Cruella movie, right. which we did like, but wasn't like fantastic by any means. Yeah, I definitely would never compare it to Itania. Also the same person who did Lars and the Real Girl, which I did love. Uh, I haven't seen it since it came out, though, so I don't know how I feel about it now, but I really liked it when it came out. I'd probably like it more now than I did when it came out. Yeah, I'm not sure. So I feel like this is the first role that I took uh, Sebastian Stan as a real actor. My history of knowing who Sebastian Stan is is first he was doing like showing up like as a side character in like CW shows, like when we were in high school and college. Huh. So he'd show up like on Gossip Girl, and, like 90210. I only knew him. From Winter Soldier. Yeah. And so then he was doing that. But like, even when he was in the Marvel stuff, I wasn't really taking him like serious. Like, I was just like, yeah, you're like a throwaway actor. Right. But in this, I feel like his performance is so good. It is so impressive that he can play a character that can be so evil and so charismatic and somebody like at times you feel like sympathy for right which that's one of the aspects of this movie i even wrote it down i thought one of the best parts of this movie was that it was able to portray abuse in like a realistic way right which shows like why does someone like tanya harding keep going back to someone who's abusive right and in most of those cases in real life and and in that case and and what's portrayed in this movie is that it's like it's not always bad and there are good aspects that make you want to trust that person again. Right. And so it's like you remember the good times too, and it's not always terrible. And so it's just like, in the cases where it's always terrible, it's like sometimes you just like, you physically can't leave. You want to leave and you can't. There, 
making sure you have no friends to go to or something like that. This was really showing the aspect of like someone who's abusive, but also likable in some ways. Right. And they showed those scenes where he's like joking around with her and they're having fun and like in that aspect of it. Right. Right. And he like cares about her in some ways, but he's also like a piece of shit. Right. And it's also that like when he hits her, it's not a shocking because she's been hit her whole life. Right, and she, like, fights back and stuff mm-hmm. like that to, like, to show that mm-hmm. she's not just, like, being, like, she, like taking it and, and, you know, doing, and, like, repressing it or something like that. Like, right. but at the same time, it's just, like, until there's a definitive scene in the movie where it's, like, it really turns against them. Yeah. Because, you know, it, it gets progressively worse. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, definitely, though, a terrible human being. So, but it's, like, it does show that nuance of, like, how can this exist and you don't just walk away. Right. I want to first talk about the, obviously, the light that this movie is trying to show Tanya Harding in. And then I want to get into my kind of political thought that I don't want to go too far into, but I kind of want to discuss. But I think it's worth first talking about how Tanya Harding's being portrayed in this. Yeah, I mean, throughout the whole movie, it's definitely a pro-Tanya Harding movie. It really focuses on, like, why was she the way she was? Um, what led her to, you know, have this type of image that she was being seen as? How was she being pigeonholed by, like, everybody in her life and in the media and in figure skating into, like, being a villain or into being, like, this outcast type figure? Uh, everything about it, even when they talk about after the attack happens, uh, where Nancy Kerrigan's knee is broken mm-hmm. or whatever uh even after that happens they even get into the which this is true uh they delayed the trial to mm-hmm. so that she could still go to the olympics mm-hmm. just so that it would like have airtime to be like a rivalry between kerrigan and tanya harding yeah. that aspect is real i'm uh, i'm pretty sure mm-hmm. right like so yeah. she did i mean she had it had to have been real because she competed and then went to trial mm-hmm. so that aspect of it is definitely like there's a media circus surrounding this and people were making money off of the hype and the news cycle. And you see like what journalism used to be and then how cable news changed everything to be what we have today, which is just trash. Right. The movie does do something really interesting and that the movie does a good job of saying, even though we are pro Tanya and think that, she is a misunderstood person. We're also going to hold her accountable for the things that she will not take responsibility for, like not preparing properly or not playing along when she should and things like that. And also like calling, like one of my favorite parts is like at the end, whenever she's like, let's talk about Nancy Kerrigan for a second. And she's Mm -hmm. like, so my laces break, which is supposedly my fault, even though it isn't. And it's like, no, like nobody thinks like nobody thinks that your laces breaking was your fault. But it's so interesting that you're so focused on all these things and saying, like, it's not fair. Why me? Why me? Mm-hmm. And not at all ever taking responsibility for the things that are your fault. Right. And I feel like the movie does a good job holding her accountable to that. Like, it doesn't gloss over the fact that she does have some responsibility in the shitty things in her life. And she will always deflect. Right. Um, there's a scene to where it's doing that interview. And so did you actually go back and watch the real interview? I've seen pieces of it. Okay. Um, 
Was the scene where she like breaks the fourth wall and is like, you were also my abusers? I don't recall that. Okay. That doesn't mean it wasn't there. I didn't know if that was just a thematic choice by like the director. Because there's a scene where, you know, it's like they're talking about how she became this like literally media circus Mm -hmm. figure and how, you know, she had been physically abused her whole life by her mother and then by her husband or ex-husband now. And then it basically turns into this whole like, and then you, the people watching, were also my abusers because you just kept making me this laughing stock and ruining everything about my life by like invading my privacy and and turning me into this they even show like the david letterman like top right. 10 things which again also for the people who don't know enough, like very much about this and i definitely didn't before the first time i saw this movie there is a misconception that the movie raises even that tanya harding hit nancy kerrigan right. like there's definitely a misconception by a number of people who mm-hmm. think that she physically like beat nancy kerrigan that is right. not what happened and then the movie gets into what actually transpired and how directly related Tanya Harding was to it. Right. And the thing that I do when I talk about for just half, or maybe you even just want to say it and we don't have to really get into it. But I, throughout the whole movie, I was thinking about how this was a really good representation of how our country has failed and does not recognize the plights of white poor Americans. Yeah, I mean, 100%. Um, it's definitely a movie about class, about, like, economic class. Mm-hmm. And it does touch on aspects of that. Because you mm-hmm. see, like, how the the figure skating community treats her. Right. And it's always about, like, yeah, you can do the tricks. And, yet, like, yeah, you did, like, the first triple axel and, mm-hmm. and in a competition and whatever. But you don't, like, look like a phys- figure skater. And you don't act like a figurehead. And right. it's all about, like, like you look trashy and you dance right. to trashy music. Right. And, like, there's a, like, very direct point where a judge tells her, like, it's never always about the skating. Like, we want somebody who, like, is, like, representing, like, a wholesome family. And she's like, but I don't have a wholesome family. Right. That's just so tragic because, like, I mean, that's the American experience, like, in a nutshell, right? Of, like, we love to talk about, like pull yourself up by your bootstraps and like whatever. But at the end of the day, like some people can be scrappy and work as hard as they can. But if they're not willing to lose who they are and the experience, right. We don't want to get them that chance. Right. And, and often what the media does in, on issues like that is that they just take wealthy entitled people and say like, well, their family life wasn't great either. Right. Like they love to pull that story instead of actually telling middle and working class stories about right. like the way larger problems. Right. Or they want to talk about the one success story and act like it's applicable to everybody in that experience. Right. Yeah. But anyway, just, just like OJ Simpson. <laughs> <laughs> just uh, OJ Simpson was like a perfect. He is literally like the anecdote. Right. Before the alleged, I guess. I mean. I think they're more than alleged, but more than... I mean, he wasn't convicted, but um, before the murders... Um, he was in the civil case. Hmm? He was in the civil case. It just doesn't mean anything. Yeah, well, I mean, he stole his yeah. own sports memorabilia. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah. No, I mean, he, he in the civil case about the murder of... Oh, oh, he, I see. He was, he was found guilty in that, but it doesn't matter because it was civil. Okay, yeah. I thought you meant like when he then broke yeah, in no. in like the 2000s or <laughs> no. whatever. Because he was convicted. That's the like when he actually served time. Yeah. But it was for 
stealing, not that for... That was retribution. <laughs> right, yeah. Which, whatever. Um, yeah, no, he, he, at one point in time, was the same type of thing where they were like, see, look at, like, he became a famous football player. And, like, you know, he had his famous, like, uh, I'm not black, I'm OJ. Right. Like, okay. You know, it's like... Right. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so... This movie, I mean, everything about it was pretty great. The acting was fantastic. The storyline was good. The directing was great. Let's talk about our favorite people in the entire movie. For me, it was definitely Paul Walter Hauser's character. Absolutely. Who, who played, like, the cons- like conspiracy theorist. Yeah, his name's Sean. Huh. Oh, look, yeah. another Sean. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, yeah, his name is Sean, and they play a clip at the end of the real guy, and he looks like very close. <laughs> he talks so similar. He does talk really similar. I've never seen somebody act so well with blinking their eyes. Yeah. Like, the way he just slowly blinks his eyes is some of the best acting. My favorite quotes was was when they're in the bar, and Tanya Harding's husband is talking to Sean about maybe sending these letters because supposedly mm-hmm. that's what it was all, all going to be is that they just send threatening letters to Nancy Kerrigan to basically get retribution for what they thought was Nancy Kerrigan making death threats or someone making death mm-hmm. threats against Tanya Harding. Mm-hmm. So I guess like in their mind, it's like making these threats, breaking people's skates, cutting their sho- like laces mm-hmm. was a common part of competition sports. Mm-hmm. Like everybody's just undermining each other. So that's what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. And when he's talking, he was like, so we have to send the letters from out of state so that they don't know it's us. <laughs> and he was like, I know a guy. I shouldn't even be saying his name. Derek. <laughs> <laughs> it's like not even like half a beat. He says his name. <laughs> Which so good. The person that he portrays is a perfect representation of so many people today as well. <laughs> this movie could be about modern events so easily. And what is a modern event that we were able to tie these two things? The whole time I was watching it, watching him talk, he is 100%. He sounds like a QAnon conspiracist. And he probably is. I mean, this guy's probably... Well, I don't know if he's still alive, but... Um, <laughs> if he's alive today, he he's, has to he's be. in QAnon. <laughs> yeah, he reminds me a lot. Remember the QAnon documentary we watched mm-hmm. on Vice? Was it on Vice? Yeah. Or through advice. So remember the guy who said, like, I'm an ex-CIA, mm-hmm. uh, like, operative? That guy who, like, just died? Yeah, so that's what I was going to bring up. Mm-hmm. So that guy, if you remember him, he was, in fact, I think, in some way affiliated with the CIA. But then he loved to be like, I have all these inside connections. I know everything that's happening. Right. Okay, so that guy, he reminded me a lot of that guy. Right. But, of course, the real life Sean, or whatever, didn't even have that level of, like... He had never been associated with anything, but he was right. sitting around being like, I'm a counterterrorism expert. Like, I go all across the country working for governments. <laughs> um, it's all like cosplay, right? Yeah. It's like military cosplay, which is exactly uh, what happened on January 6th in the insurrection is military cosplay. Yeah. And the whole time I was like, you could remake this movie about the people. Because it's a whole stream of people just making really really bad decisions doing a terrible job covering their tracks like he goes around just telling everybody what he was doing mm-hmm. all of that is so similar to the people who are getting charged <laughs> and uh, convicted in the insurrection and you know what we found out so january 6th of 1994 was the day that nancy kerrigan got <laughs> got attacked 
and had her knee broken. <laughs> so I can like, I have a thing, especially like if you, if like I see numbers in print, like they're just kind of like in my brain for a while. And so like, you know, like it was showing the date on the, um, like on the movie when the attack happened. And I like, I was like, oh, January 6th. And then like 20 minutes later, we're making the connection about QAnon and like those little type of people who were at the insurrection. Then I was like, wait, Nancy Carrico was attacked on January 6th. Yeah. I mean, what a connection. <laughs> uh, it's uh, funny that we had already made that connection mm-hmm. throughout this, but uh, I mean, so easily it could be the, any of those people. I mean, the guy who like put his feet up on—I uh, don't even remember—was it Nancy Pelosi's desk or oh, yeah, AOC's desk, something like that? Yeah, like Nancy Pelosi's. That guy. That guy got found like within a week because he was literally posting on social media right. pictures of him in the offices. Right. It's like I mean, it's just dumb people <laughs> doing dumb things with no planning, and like it all gets out of hand. But anyway, this is funny. That's not so funny. Yeah. And uh, or. I'm sure these events weren't funny when they happened, but it's it's funny in <laughs> this 2017. This portrayal was a great comedic relief portrayal. Oh, yeah, 100%. Very enjoyable, funny. It's honestly kind of hilarious, the movie is. but right. um, In terms of drinkability, this was, like, one of those things that, like, we were, like, the drinking rules hit, like, really hard. And, like, you'd be, you could be drinking the entire movie. Between smoking, drinking, and them referencing the Olympics, like, you're done. Yeah, it's, I love rules like this where it's simple, it's easy to follow, uh, yeah. and it works throughout the whole movie. But it's one of the, this movie, I will say, we weren't necessarily calling out the drinking rules as they were happening as much because I think we were just really enthralled in the movie. Right. Like, this is, this is a rare movie night movie where we get lost in how much we're liking the movie instead of remembering that we're playing, like, a drinking game. Which yeah, I have no problem true. with. Yeah, it's, it is easier on bad movies, but yeah. you know, I mean, this was very good, mm-hmm. uh, but a good type of movie to watch. It's in it's in the right vein. Yeah, it, it's like an enjoyable, funny. Yeah, it's I not mean, too serious. Yeah, exactly. No, I thought it was great. Yeah. So, what are you rating this one? Um. So, I loved it the first time, but I loved it more this time. I agree. I don't know if it's just like sometimes with these good movies, when I watch them again, I just pick up a lot more. I'm going to give it like a 94. Okay. I think that's great. Um, So I'm giving it a 93. Well, I thought you would be higher than me. Yeah. I had to think about it for a second because I really like, I I loved this. I don't think I would put it in like my favorite all time movies list, but it's definitely one of the best movies I've seen probably in the past, like five years. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's hard for a biopic to be in a favorite movie of all time list. I feel. Yeah, I agree. Um, so I'm really excited to segue into our next movie, uh, which is pop star. And if you're hopeful that it would be pop star, never stop stopping or whatever it is with Andy Samberg, you're going to be disappointed, but it is a movie with one Aaron Carter. I was trying to find a synopsis because like, this is like nowhere. Uh, The movie. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, we watched a trailer for it, and it looked like a straight-to-DVD, like, never got a theatrical release type movie. It definitely was. So this is the one synopsis I can find. Forced to attend a public high school, a singer, Alana Austin. Wait, no. Wait, so Wikipedia got the... (laughs) Yeah. Got the thing wrong? Yeah. The synopsis? Yeah. Is there no, like, page at all for this movie, like, on Amazon or... Rotten Tomatoes. Rotten Tomatoes has to know what Popstar is. I cannot find it, but I do have an IMDb page for it. 
That has a synopsis. It says a teenage girl's life is turned upside down when a new school friend turns out to be a pop star. Okay. <laughs> turns out to be? Uh, he's probably trying to keep it a secret. But if you're a pop star, <laughs> like, can you just decide I'm not going to be a pop star today? I mean, yeah. It's just like, I think that it's like one of those situations where, I don't remember the trailer. We watched the trailer a little while ago, but mm-hmm. I think it's one of those situations where, you know, he just wants to live a, a normal high school life or middle school life or whatever. And right. so somehow you're supposed to assume that you can't recognize him. Right. Well, I just looked at IMDb and I love that the third person in line in the cast is David Cassidy of the Partridge family. Wow. Wow. Uh, IMDb is at 2.5 out of 10 stars. Perfect. <laughs> With 3,000 reviews, that's kind of a lot. Huh. <laughs> There's... <laughs> This is sorry. I have to read this one <laughs> review that I see on IMDb. They gave it one out of ten stars. Uh-huh. Title has made me want to weep. The only people I would recommend this movie film to are both blind and deaf. Although I'm sure a sadomasochist would get a kick out of it. This film had nothing: no acting, terrible music, awful script. Only the power to suck any happiness from your soul. You may be wondering by now why or even how I managed to sit through the full hour and a half of sheer insanity. And honestly, a difficult concept for even myself. Firstly, I had to pace up and down as the film progressed as I found it extremely hard to get comfortable. Secondly, I only only made it without gnawing my arm uh, in order to have something to beat myself to death with by phoning friends for moral support when the plot became particularly slow. The problem is that it became a matter of pride for me to finish it after the opening 30 minutes. And that was a fatal error on my behalf. For the sake of your sanity, do not watch this film. When was that posted? In January of 2008. So not right when it... When did this come out? Uh, it had to have been the early 2000s, right? Uh, 2005. Okay. So they wrote that three years later. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. I mean, I th- if that's going to be a, a new review, right. but... So there's not going to... So the internet doesn't have drinking rules for this because the internet doesn't know. Not even Wikipedia knows <laughs> what this movie is about. Is what you found the synopsis for Andy Samberg's no pop star is that what it's called yeah like this one has like the director and the writer and it says starring Aaron Carter I don't know whatever uh we'll figure we'll come back (laughs) with a brief synopsis when somebody's famous they go to a are they in middle or high school high school I'm assuming I I hope so yeah high school okay well we will see okay so nothing is going to have drinking rules for this so okay when Aaron Carter acts how because it has to be a rule right um what type of mannerism or behavior do you want to see from aaron carter to drink because i um, don't think he can be straight up insane like he is in real life because he's acting or i want to say not acting when he's not acting i want to drink or like bad acting yeah okay so like not acting sure i want to drink anytime there's like just you know like screams and cheers that you can't identify for no reason you know like He's like walking. He's like, ah, like, and that that makes sense. I would say too, if he's trying to hide his identity, that could be one. Is he trying to hide his identity? Because she doesn't know that he's famous, so he has to be hiding his identity. I don't, I don't know if he's trying to pass a math test. If he's just <laughs> trying to go to school, like I don't know anything. Okay, well, I'm gonna say that. Say, I, I want to do a shot in the dark too, so okay. I don't want to come up with too many drinks. So, let's say anytime they say his name. Mm-hmm. any part of his name because mm-hmm. they're probably gonna like chant it or something like that yeah. you and say his name in full yeah i think fangirls or mm-hmm. uh screaming like you said that that works mm-hmm. anytime that he d- 
dances or sings maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. And anytime he's like, I just want to be a normal kid. Yeah. Okay. Those are, those I are think perfect. all of those yeah. are fine. Okay. So now in terms of shot in the dark, cause neither of us have ever seen this movie. Right. Nor what, has anybody else. Obviously not. Well, 3000 people <laughs> at least rated it. They may have not seen it. So what do you want your shot in the dark to be? So the shot in the dark that I want is obviously these two are going to fall in love with each other. And I am, my shot in the dark is that like, they like go on a date or they do something like, or like he's bringing her, like she's like experiencing the celebrity where she's like, Oh my God, people are taking my picture. Oh my God. You know, like that's my shot in the dark. That was kind of close to mine. Cause I was going to say that I could see this movie pulling a like blank check mm-hmm. vibe, which if you remember the movie blank check, oh God, I love blank check. The funniest thing about that movie is it was from the 90s, right? Yeah. Um, and he only writes a check for $1 million, <laughs> but he manages to live a like multi-hundred million dollar lifestyle, <laughs> at least in, by today's standards, probably right. in the 90s standards as well. Side note, that's like my favorite thing about, because <laughs> we're one of like the 10 people below the age of 60 that watch America's Got Talent. Yeah. And that's one of my favorite things of like when they ask the kids, like, what are you going to do if you win the million, million dollars? I'm like... I'm going to buy a mansion and a car, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, dude, a million bucks won't even get you the mansion. You're like, <laughs> you're like kid, you can buy like less than 10 Teslas. <laughs> you couldn't buy any mansion. You could buy one house in, in Memphis. You definitely can't buy a mansion that gives you a slide that's from the inside the mansion that goes out inside into the pool, like blank check. No, definitely not. Uh, but sp- uh, the whole reason I bring up blank check, though, is because um, there's like a, a Richie Rich did this too. Anytime that there's a rich kid, it's like a specific vibe because they can't show the normal rich lifestyle that they show in movies, mm-hmm. right? Where it's like popping bottles of champagne mm-hmm. and partying yeah. with beautiful women and doing all this. So they have to instead like make it like a rich kid. It's always the shoes, especially if it's a boy. Like, yeah. It's like them like with a bunch of shoes. Yeah. Uh, that or like. Just something really extravagant, but for a kid. Right. This is in the early 2000s. I don't know. So it's like a a big screen TV he plays video games on or something. But right. it's like a 40 inch TV. Right. <laughs> right. But it's supposed to be seen as like super extravagant. Right. And, and that's what I was getting out of blank check. Right. Mm-hmm. Is, again, because he's now like unfathomably wealthy with one million dollars. Right. Um, and everybody's like, oh, my God, how can you live like this? Right. Uh, Richie Rich, I think, was actually like way richer yeah. in, in terms of like he definitely the had like one point five million dollars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so so that's I'm going to hone it in a little bit. My mine is that if he shows some sort of extravagant wealth, but it's either like very childish or or dated. Right. How do you afford a forty inch <laughs> plasma? Right. You know, like that type of thing. Right. I like it. Yeah. Okay. So. First, we have to find this DVD because you can't stream it anywhere. Yeah, I think I have it somewhere. And then we have to pray to God that the old PlayStation will play it. <laughs> it will. It'll be fine. Yeah. It is a regular DVD, though. I will say the one trailer we found of it looked like it was a home video. So It might be. <laughs> Aaron Carter might have uh, recorded it himself. <laughs> okay. Well, let's go watch this. All right. back from watching pop star that was absolutely horrendous i think that of all the movies you have chosen 
that might be like one of the worst. It's definitely the worst made movie. I had a ton of fun drinking to it. Well, one, this thing came on a DVD, regular DVD, and it had like the previews, like old, <laughs> crappy, like Disney Channel stuff. We had like Hillary Duff, raise your voice previews. Yeah, and then there, there's like special features on this DVD that I don't want. But it was DVD-ROM, and so we couldn't access them because you have to put it in your CD-ROM player on your computer. Yeah, like literally you have to like, because I guess it didn't know how to, I don't know. I don't know what the thing was with that, but you're supposed to literally put it into your computer to play it. But right. that's how old this thing was. I don't know how you found this new and not used. I got it as a birthday present. No, I mean, but I don't know how... Someone found it new right. and not used. Oh. I'm just laughing that my very top note on this movie is, this is a porno. Oh. <laughs> a lot of the scenes make it feel like a porno. Probably most because the direction and editing. And the set was and where the set porno and was the, being filmed. Yeah, like everything about <laughs> it was definitely like, uh, there's too much about it that's porno-esque. But going back to the introduction, because I made a note of this. One, it's so long. The introduction is so long. You're basically seeing like Aaron Carter sing in real time a full song. And it was a real Aaron Carter song. It wasn't like a song written for the movie. Yeah. And then here's... So this is what? The first five minutes or something like that. Yeah. I mean, it was a full song. And it was basically him playing at different Radio Disney events. (laughs) Right. Radio Disney, which is also a blast from the past. You can drink to Radio Disney. Which was on AM. Does Radio Disney still exist? I bet it does. But is it on FM finally? Or it's probably on XM, right? Yeah. Like Radio Disney has probably moved to satellite radio. Yeah, that's a pay for thing. I don't know. But the reality ends in that first five minutes because we're supposed to believe that Aaron Carter is a worldwide superstar and that he is just like selling out arenas for him to sing his songs. Right. And by arenas, you do mean school gymnasiums, right? Because that's definitely where he was performing in most of those. They're definitely setting it up for you to believe that he's like selling out stadiums. It's it's literally school gymnasiums. I think they filmed it in school gymnasiums. I think you're supposed to believe that this man is like like Taylor Swift performing. Because he's supposed to be wow. so famous that everybody and everybody's parents knows who's, who this man is. <sighs> However... Do they know who he is? Because I don't know. Because he, <laughs> because he randomly has to go to high school uh, at a, like a regular high school. And if people aren't just acting like they don't know who he is, then they don't know who he is. Because nobody is like, oh my gosh, it's blank. They do eventually do that. But I don't really quite understand how that develops. Because if somebody famous, like I don't even know who, like if Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, that's the very person that came to mind. If Mark Ruffalo walked into my office and was like, "Hey, like I'm I'm the new the new guy working here," <laughs> I wouldn't be like, "Oh yeah, cool, Mark. Yeah, nah, there's your office." And then like a week later, be like, "Oh my god, it's right. Mark Ruffalo." That's literally how they acted though. It's like as if they didn't know who he was. Yeah, and not only that, but like supposedly they're all fans. Like they have like his posters and CDs, and like they're stealing his stuff to sell. There's like a scene where like a kid steals his locker and tries to sell it. Right. Because this man is so famous that people would pay like $2,000 for his locker. It Like that's what I don't understand. If you're that level of famous, one, you're not playing for school gymnasiums. But two, people wouldn't recognize who you are immediately. Right. 
We should also emphasize that the entire plot of this movie is a math test. Yeah. The whole <laughs> thing is just he has to pass a math test. But he but- has testophobia. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to get to that in a second, too. <laughs> but my problem with the premise is that he did not have to go back to school just to pass math. He had to go back to school to pass high school. Mm-hmm. Why? Uh, the narrative is so loose on this that it basically starts with him at his concert. And then his mom is like, you're too out of touch with reality. We want to make sure that you understand what it's like to be a normal person, too. I remember the scene with David Cassidy as his manager <laughs> where they were talking about it. But I don't remember the exact reason why he needed to go back to school. Well, part of the problem with the whole movie is that the dialogue doesn't make any sense and is like hard to follow. Yeah, we had a problem with subtitles. <laughs> like this, it's hard to even hear what they're saying, it's which like is like a original, production issue. It's like the original tenant. <laughs> yeah, well, but worse than that. It, uh, like, so that's part of it is that it's hard to physically hear what they're saying. They mumble a lot. One of the main characters wears braces, but they're clearly fake braces, right? Yeah. But the problem is that it distorts her speech way worse than real braces would. Yeah, think of me saying shashe and then... Yeah, but that's like every word. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's just like, the whole time that she is talking, she's like, I love you like that. Like, like, <laughs> that's she's literally like, what did she That's sound the like? level that she is speaking at. And the problem is that, you know, when, when there's finally that scene you know is going to come where her braces are off, it's just like, they take them off in like 15 seconds. It's like, right. it's like, you just go and it's over and then nothing. Like, that's not how you get braces off either. Because right. I had braces and it's not just like, snip, snap, snap. Right. You know, like, it's now they're off and everything's fine. You have to like, even like, get the right. little, like the cement stuff. I don't remember what that's called, but like, right. that they adheres everything to your teeth. Yeah, They even yeah. have to like, polish that off. Look, this is the type of movie that's so bad that it's very easy to go, like, plot point by plot point to try to figure out, like, what did we just watch? I'm going to try to make us avoid doing that. I will say one of my favorite scenes is towards the beginning. And Aaron Carter. J.D. McQueen. (laughs) How can I forget? J.D. J.D. had 16 top 40 songs. I just want to know if it like Taylor Swift just got to 41. <laughs> so, like, well, and that's my point. Yeah. That's what I was trying to mention before. It's like, this isn't just a celebrity. This is like a massive celebrity, like a worldwide celebrity who goes on world tour. It's like somebody who doesn't have a concept of having a single number one song is who came up with that number. Are you saying that Aaron's Party was not a number one song? I don't know. Was it? I, I doubt it. So. I think it was, it was probably in the top 50, but, you know, very temporarily. No, I have to know. But anyways, my favorite is when JD, like, shows up at our girl's house under really weird circumstances. And Jane's little sister is the one who opens the door. And, like, she opens it and sees JD McQueen and, like, faints. And so Jane is, like, in her bedroom writing a book, which, like, is about as good as my, uh fifth grade novel that I don't know if I've talked about on here before. Well, the Um, thing is she wants to be an author, right? And it's like, it becomes a book about JD McQueen. Right. But anyway, so she's just sitting in her room typing on her old school laptop and like JD just walks into her bedroom carrying her sister. Her sister isn't like a two year old. Her sister is like a 10 or 12 year old. And Aaron Carter, Aaron Carter's like, not a buff guy who should be carrying somebody. So it's like he's carrying like a girl who's like as lanky as he is like through. Like you can tell he's struggling doing it. It was it was rough to watch. 
Yeah, I also want to point out uh, an important fact about Jane. Jane is such a well-written and well-rounded character that Jane doesn't have a last name. Yeah, you're right. Like, if you watch the credits, it's just Jane. (laughs) In fact, everybody but J.D. McQueen basically only has a first name. This is literally the plot of a porno. (laughs) (laughs) And it is porno music playing in the background half the time. Like, the one porn star has a full name and everybody else is just first names only. Yeah, I mean... It makes absolutely no sense. There's, I mean, clearly the writer just, I mean, half-assed this whole movie, right? There's no way that you can sit down as a legitimate writer and not even give your characters last names. Right. And then make them mumble every word they say. <laughs> Speaking of what great writing this man did, especially for the dialogue, the dialogue you can't hear, but when you can hear it, there are some uh, real great quotes in here. I wrote down a couple of my favorites, and one was... In the words of your generation, yeah, right. (laughs) That's something that the father says, just being a straight boomer. That's funny. My my other biggest thought on this, one, it's half porno, it's Mm -hmm. half advertisements. Because when it's not playing porno music, and even sometimes when it is, they are literally just doing very overt product placement. Right. Like someone's drinking a soda and they turn it so you can see the label or they sit it down and they turn it so you can see the label. And here's the issue because this is, was it straight to DVD? Definitely. Okay. Because it was basically on that level of movie, they had sponsors, but they couldn't get like real sponsors. So they had to use like the second tier brand. It was brands. like our King Cola. Like what was it called? RC Cola. Our yeah, King. I, I just had Rodney King in my head. What? Rodney King? <laughs> I don't know why. Oh my goodness. <laughs> no, that is not what it was. But let me tell you, it gets progressively worse. So at the beginning, it's just things like the popular girls drive a PT cruiser, <laughs> which is so stupid. That is not anybody. Like the coolest girls in school are not driving a PT cruiser. <laughs> But regardless, you have a PT Cruiser. That's a big one. They never really, like, do, like, a shot of, like, the logo or anything like that. But somebody at one point in time, I'm pretty sure, even says, oh, look, it's a PT Cruiser. Or, like, they say something like that. Yeah. Where they point out that it's a PT Cruiser. Also, when there's a moment where uh, JD's, like, soda goes missing. He's like, where's my RC Cola? <laughs> yes. And it's not just RC Cola. <laughs> It's also Sunkiss and A&W Root Beer. Which you all found out was owned. Yeah, and so the whole time I was like, okay, these three have to be related. So I looked it mm-hmm. up. Well, it turns out that RC Cola, that the, whatever company used to own RC Cola, also owned Sunkiss and A&W, and then all of that was bought by a parent right. company. Right. And you know what's interesting is most sponsorships, like, they will, like, sponsor the movie, be like, hey, we'll give you some money for production if you let our brand be in your movie. I feel confident they paid these people to let their brands be in their movie, and this is all they could afford. (laughs) Well, I mean, now I will say, there is one scene in particular that is literally an ad in the middle of the movie where she's using that face scrub. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's like St. Ives or whatever. Yeah. (laughs) And it's literally like, hey, what's that you're using there? (laughs) Oh, I just had some clogged pores. (laughs) I just wanted to use... The St. Ives, and she, like, turns it even, like, St. Ives hydrating face scrub. It's like, 
Do you remember on TikTok where they were showing those? Yeah, it was a it was a clip from Secret Life of the American Teenager. Yeah, it was that level, but <laughs> yeah. in a movie. I've never seen that happen in a movie. It happens yeah. on crappy TV. Right. That's on like TBS. Well, or this is CW. even worse than Secret Life of the American Teenager, so I'm not surprised. Right. Yeah, Secret Life was on ABC Family, right? And yeah. then it switched. What is it now? I think it's called Freeform. Freeform, right? So yeah, I mean, if it's on that level, but it's not a TV show; it's a movie. Though I guess it's straight to DVD, maybe. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't really understand how all that works. I also want to let you know that Aaron's Party Come and Get It, the song, um, topped at 35 on the Billboard Top 100, which was pretty good. It's a top 50. That album went three-time platinum. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> maybe he was more famous than we thought. No, uh, we were around for this era, and it was not as big as... We- this is being made out to be. Right. <laughs> like how we're talking about this is if like we weren't a part of that generation. <laughs> no, I remember how famous he was. It's just I never listened to anything by him. Like it's not like I bought an Aaron Carter album, right? So the Aaron Carter era was around the same time as like Little Bow Wow and uh Baja Men and like yeah. that type of stuff, right? And so like all of those things to in, to me were one hit wonders, mm-hmm. like where I knew one song that right. they came out with. So like Aaron's Party was the song that I knew from mm-hmm. Aaron Carter, and then after that, I never really heard anything he did ever again. Right. Other than I guess that How I Beat Shaq. Right. But I mean, other than that, it's just like I never really knew anything about Aaron Carter, and clearly Nick Carter was way more famous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, my question is, did you have fun? Drinking and watching this movie. Definitely. I mean, it was so terrible. I mean, it's it's almost like watching The Room in some ways because mm-hmm. it's like worse than a regular movie. Yeah. So with our drinking movies, they're still movies. Right. right? Like they're, still, <laughs> they're still movies that were made by directors and writers that usually came out in theaters. It's kind of hard when a movie's like this where like i almost feel like aaron carter asked to write his own lines because <laughs> they're just catchphrases and things. Of everything i know about aaron carter i feel confident he wrote his own lines well it's just like the acting is terrible so i can't tell if his delivery just makes them seem so stilted right or if the writing is just that bad or if they give him lines and aaron carter is like no i'm just gonna wing this right which is entirely possible knowing aaron carter now right but I wanted to come back to this because you pointed it out earlier. Testophobia. So you find out that Aaron Carter, you know, he keeps trying to like do well in school. You know, he's back in school. He has to pass this. And his manager tells him like, you have to pass school. Like, again, it's like this is such mm-hmm. loose, terrible narrative that you don't really like fully comprehend like why, why. Right. We're told that he needs to go back to school and he can't continue touring unless he passes math class. Mm-hmm. But that's my earlier thing that I was I was about to bring up. School is not just math. If he's just focusing on math class, doesn't that mean he might fail like English and history and all the other <laughs> high school classes? But he is only focused on math class. And every scene in the school takes place in one class, which is math class. Mm-hmm. I don't understand that at all because Jane, no last name, is basically like a great student who's trying to get into an Ivy League school who talks about doing all of her classes, even though you never see her in her classes. Mm-hmm. But she becomes his tutor, but only tutors him in math again. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what is going on where they're only focusing on math? Mm-hmm. 
And then you find out, well, keeps like skipping out on his tests, even though he's studying and even though he wants to do well, he keeps not coming to class. Why? Because he has testophobia. <laughs> and Jane goes on like Google, basically. And is, it's not Google, though, because they couldn't use Google. <laughs> <laughs> it was like some made up search mm -hmm. engine where she's basically like, is there such a thing as fear of taking tests? <laughs> of course there's, like, who has not heard of, like, test anxiety? Right. Or, like, just being afraid of tests, right? Like, test anxiety is what you would call it. Testophobia right. is, like, I, I had to look it up in That's the moment. That's what Aaron Carter would call it. <laughs> yeah, I had to look it up in the moment, and, like, that may be a word that nobody uses, but it's just test anxiety. Right. Like, we don't. <laughs> It, you don't have a phobia of tests. Right. It's not like someone shows you a test and you're like, oh no, a test. Look, I'm, I'm so scared. This is just anxiety about taking tests. Right. And I do want to call out what the, uh, this is a spoiler. So turn the volume down if you don't want to be spoiled about Popstar. But the way he's able to overcome testophobia is by putting his desk on the stage at the, <laughs> at the high school. Which was Jane's idea because she finds out that, well, what's happening is that he's scared of the test. So I need to put him in an environment where he's not scared. And you know what? He's a famous singer. Pop who, star. <laughs> he's a famous pop star <laughs> who thrives in the limelight. <laughs> so if you literally put him on a stage. So here's the other problem. If you had test anxiety, right? And you're just one of 30 people in a class taking a test. Certainly your test anxiety would, would be better under that situation than having your math teacher watch you by yourself on a stage under a bright light. <laughs> right. Take a test. Right. Because it's not like he's performing, even though they do have him like twirl his pen. Like, right. Because <laughs> clearly like he's on stage now, he's like in a zone. So when right. he's taking his test, he's like tapping a, a rhythm as he <laughs> takes it and he's spinning his pen. <laughs> also, Jane, as we said, his tutor. Mm -hmm. Jane is teaching him how to do math and it's su like super simple math, way, way below what they should be learning. Cause I'm assuming <laughs> he's like a senior or something. Mm -hmm. Jane has also been talking about how she wants to go to an Ivy league school the whole time. This man takes a test on stage in front of his math teacher under a bright light and somehow scores better than Jane on this test. <laughs> this man like did not know what like the Pythagorean theorem was. <laughs> And then somehow, just because he's on stage and can spin his pen around, he makes a better score than the person who was tutoring him. Right. That is impossible. There is no way. Right. Well, I don't regret watching it. You know, that's a lot of spoilers, too. But you know what? You're not going to find this movie because we couldn't even find a correct <laughs> synopsis and cast list for it. Yeah, when we were so looking it up. you can come run it here like a uh, blockbuster if you need it. Yeah, for $15. <laughs> what video on demand prices? For, right. for $30, right. you can have it for 24 hours. Well, what are you going to rate it? I'd say like a six. Oh, wow. I normally don't go in the single digits, but it's like, like I said, it's almost like The Room. It's not quite as bad as The Room. It still has a narrative, mm -hmm. which The Room didn't, didn't. Right. I mean, The Room was a straight up like things happen to you and you don't even know why or what they're leading to mm -hmm. this was like a little bit better in that there was a narrative but you're never described again like i said before you're not really told why any of this is happening like why did his parents decide he needs to do this for no reason right um i'm giving it a 12 so you're higher than me yeah i completely agree like there is like there's a point like towards like the last act of the movie where i was like 
wait, like, what is the plot? Like, what are, like, what are they doing here? And like, we had to stop and you explain it to me. And like, it's real bad. But I laughed so much and I had a great time watching it. So that inflates the score a little bit. It's just impossible to follow. Oh, for sure. It's just, it's so hard to follow. One, because you can't hear very well. And two, because the narrative just doesn't make sense because it's missing chunks. Right. So I don't know. It's just like, to me, this is like almost not even a movie. It's hard for me to rate this movie. And there's no actors in it. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's Aaron Carter. And that, as far as I can tell, is it. Well, other David than Cassidy. Well, Cassidy, yeah. But this is well, well past his prime. Yeah. Uh, also past his prime, we identified someone who's just rent. He plays the janitor. And I don't know who this person is, but I looked it up because the whole time I was like, they're making this person seem out to be like, you should recognize It's like him. a cameo. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you believe we got him in this movie? Right. And so I looked it up. His name is Leif Garrett. And I read that Leif Garrett was actually really famous at one point in time, but like the 70s, uh, well before we would know, because he's like in the line of like a Cassidy, right? Right. So Leif Garrett, I was trying to look him up and I was wondering, okay, so I found him on Wikipedia. He used to be famous. He's someone who like people in their 50s and 60s might recognize by name. Mm -hmm. Probably not by look anymore, but <laughs> you know, uh, he always, he wears a bandana. He kind of looks like Brett Michaels. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like what I got yeah. out of it. He was going for that look. So I looked it up and I'm thinking, you know, so he's making a cameo almost. Keep in mind, this is a made for DVD, mm -hmm. straight to DVD type movie. And they're getting sponsored by PT Cruiser and mm -hmm. Sunkist. Mm -hmm. So they might have had a dip down in their uh, cameo list. So I looked up, what has this man been doing recently? Well, one, nothing. <laughs> and I decided to look up his net worth. You know, because I'm, I'm, maybe I'm going to be surprised. Maybe he's like a producer now and, you know, he has $100 million and he's, you know, doing whatever. He just isn't singing anymore. He isn't doing whatever. Boy, are you going to be disappointed. No. So I found a website that talked about his net worth. His net worth in 2021 was $1,000. <laughs> <laughs> $1, single $1,000. He blew through that pop star money. I was like, well, that is a very specific, specifically low number for someone to list because you can't ever guess that people only have $1,000 to their name. Mm -hmm. And so I looked it up and the reason that they said that specific number is because there was some sort of court filing mm -hmm. where he had to claim his assets, basically. Like, how much mm -hmm. money does he have? Mm -hmm. And at the time he had less than $1,000 in his bank account and no <laughs> other assets. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that man struggled with addiction or something. Like this, That's probably why he is where he is. It's like the, the Three Dog Night people where we watch that documentary, right, mm -hmm. where they, like, were on heroin and mm -hmm. their son became addicted to heroin. And so maybe it's a situation like that, and that's why he wound up where he is. But however, wherever that path led him, it went from being somebody that is, like, a household name in the 70s to being the janitor who plays like a Jesus type figure, like a religious figure, almost somewhat Buddhist. Um, I don't, I don't know what they're going with on that janitor in pop star. Yeah. Well, what do we have coming up next week? Oh, I'm glad you asked. We're going to have a listener visit, which means we don't know what we're watching next week. So we're having uh, our friend Allison come by the show, and she is going to pick some movies for us. And she is keeping us in the dark on what they are, but she is a 
avid listener of the show. I get a text message from her almost weekly as she's listening to the show, giving me her feedback. So I'm really excited to have her on. Yeah, it'll be great. Uh, the last guest appearance went really well, and I think this will be a good one too. Sounds like she has a lot of ideas on movies. She does. Yeah. So I think it's going to be a good time. Yeah. Well, this was fun. Yeah, it was great. Well, until next time. Yeah, try to find Popstar if you can. <laughs> or rent it from us for $30 on demand. <laughs> Bye. Bye.